0: Magazines and Monsters, episode 27, War is Hell 13, from 1975.
1: Man, you come right out of a comic book.
0: Hey everybody, Billy D, a.k.a. Doc Strange here with another recording for the show. And uh, since it is November, I have to sneak in at least one episode for War Comics Month. And uh, I had to bring somebody along that is one of the biggest proponents of War Comics Month and that's Luke Jackanetti. How are you doing, Luke?
1: I am doing great, Billy. Thank you so much for having me on, especially to talk not just about war comics here on War Comics Month, but kind of a weird war comic, which uh, I think is uh, always a, a bit of a bonus, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I love traditional war comics, and I know you
0: do as well, but anytime you can throw a little bit of a curveball into it, that's awesome, too. You know, a little bit of a horror angle here with uh, War is Hell, uh, issue number 13 from 1975. And, you know, as you and I talked off mic a little bit before here we start recording, you know, War is Hell was an interesting uh, book. It started out doing just, you know, you know, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos kind of reprints for the first, I think, maybe eight issues. And then around issue nine, I think, is when it switched over to having this, uh, this character, John Kowalski, and then uh, the actual personification of death. And, you know, basically like a horror concept almost where he, you know, death kind of makes uh, this John Kowalski character like uh, possess these uh, dying soldiers and kind of uh, live out a little bit of time inside their their, their husk and, and their body and then uh, do some stuff out here and, you know, do some wild stuff. And this is a wild story, too. What do you think?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is so I have to give a shout out to podcasting's Michael Bailey. Who sent me this issue along with? Uh, it was several Charlton war comics, some Fighting Army, Fighting Marines. Mm. might have been a Fighting Five in there. And yeah. he sent me the uh, the the DC um, what is it? Uh, DC America had War, the the big collection of uh, war comics Thanks. from many many years ago. And and he really did me a solid sending me that. But this book was before my time, uh, both on you know as a comics reader and on this earth. So, uh, you know, I didn't really know about it until he sent me this and I started doing the research and, you know, I, the first war comic that I got into was actually weird war tales. Oh, cool. And yeah. So, you know, I, growing up, I was always a Marvel reader. Right. And I grew up mm-hmm. in the, I started reading comics in the very early nineties. So I was always a superhero guy, right. Genre books. Mm-hmm. Like I knew about like, the EC horrors and stuff because my brother and I would read the, uh, I think it was Gladstone or. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing the reprints of those. So my brother always had had those. And so I knew about genre comics, but I never I had not gotten into war until really I started getting into DC and their history as a whole when I was at of by the time I was kind of getting out of college. Mm-hmm. And it was those early showcase presents volumes. And if you recall, one of the first showcase presents was Haunted Tank from mm. like the first wave, the ones that was like Superman uh, Haunted Tank, I think Jonah Hex, and they, they they did like some like a variety of ones. It wasn't just yeah. the, the big hitters, and then and that I said okay, that was pretty neat. And and then the one that sold me was War That Time Forgot, which is oh, a fantastic yeah. showcase. I mean, it's just it's just bananas. Every twelve pages, it's another dinosaur fighting some soldier. You know, mm-hmm. and so from doing my research and learning more about you know, not just, uh, DC in general, but their genre books, I found weird war tales. I'd found a site and it's probably long gone now, but it was, it was a history of DC's, you know, air quotes up to the mic, weird books. So it was all the ones that had weird in the title. Right. So that was weird war tales, weird Western tales. And, uh, what weird mystery tales, weird mystery tales. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and so I found Weird War. I'm like, wow, this looks really neat. And so I started collecting Weird War. And from there, I got into the, like the straight war books. And, you know, so that's how I got started. So I had never realized that Marvel had done a Weird War book. So when I saw this from uh, when Michael sent it to me, I was like, I was fascinated. And then you, you know, you take a look at the creative team and it is a it's like, <laughs> yep, this is Marvel from nineteen seventy five all right. You know when you look at this at the at the uh, the you know the writer and the artist mm-hmm. and the editor, and I'm like, oh yeah, uh, this this is this is good stuff right here,
0: yeah, and it's funny too, because when you think of a horror, you know, esque title and story, you don't really think of these names, but you know if you really look into Marvel bronze Age, you know they 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 had everybody doing everything. There really wasn't anybody that was stuck to just one thing, but you know this is a this is a wild one. It's uh today's a lovely day to die is the name of the story, and we have author Chris Claremont, you know Mr. X Men himself of all people, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, Herb Trimpy as the artist. You know everybody knows him mostly from the Hulk. Yep. Uh, G- John Costanza letters, Michelle Wolfman colors, and Len Wein editor. Another yeah. X Men and you know Batman and everything in the world he's done too. But you don't think a lot of those names when you think horror. But
1: well, Claremont did write Len, a few horror say, stories Len, here and there. Didn't Len Wein do didn't he Swamp do Thing. Uh, Swamp Thing? Yeah, so I was gonna yep. say. I always think of Len Wein with horror with Swamp Thing. And yep. and what's funny is Herb Trimpy, you say most people know him for the Hulk, and absolutely, you know, he is uh, you know, to me one of the just the, <laughs> there are you know, there there's certain artists on certain certain strips that are just classic, and Herb Trimpy's Hulk is, is one of those. Oh yeah. But to me, what now when I see the name Herb Trimpy, it's very it's kind of ridiculous. But the strips that jump out to me are Godzilla. Oh yeah and shogun warriors mm-hmm. and, and on my show under destruction directive i covered all of both of those series and it's it's great looking at trimpy's art in this and comparing it to those um those uh series which are um you know he, he's uh he, he's usually matched up with like carl gafford as his colorist so the colors are much like brighter and it's more you know kind of a crazy sort of you know big bombastic story whereas this is very clearly a gritty war story so even though it's clearly herb trimpey you can look at some of the faces especially and say oh yeah that's herb trimpey right there yeah it's it's amazing just the you know the 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 difference by having uh you know a different colorist and a different subject matter how how much different his art looks while still being identifiable as trimpey
0: yeah for sure oh absolutely yeah he was you know he was very much you know, kind of a Kirby clone in the beginning when he first started uh, at Marvel, you know, kind of like Barry Windsor Smith and some other people. But he developed his own style, and I do like his Hulk quite a bit. He's yeah. him and salbusem are probably my top two Hulk artists there of all time, but he does he did great with this war story. you know what I mean like he he does great with the characters and you know the the, the planes and ships and a tank and everything. he he does really good here, like I almost feel like man. He would have been a good guy to have on a war comic, you know, a monthly.
1: Oh yeah, he could totally do it because he he gives a lot of character to it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean that that that's the thing about uh, more so at you think about it more at DC, but you get it at at Marvel also, you know, um, where you had the um, it, the the art was, um, you know, the the traditional war artists like you know Kubert and Glansman and uh, Ross Andrew. Uh, you know, they they had uh, – and Russ Heath, they had mm-hmm. such um, such character in, in just drawing ordinary men and women, right? And yeah. you could readily identify the emotions on display. And Trimpy doesn't always get that because people think of Trimpy more as an, an action guy, right, from doing mm-hmm. stuff like Hulk. But he does really, really well with the facial expressions in oh, this yeah. story, you know? And, mm-hmm. and even, even given the, you know, not great <laughs> – can, well, not not saying the book is not in great condition, but it's it's definitely yellowed a bit on the pages, and so it's a little muddy in spots. But <laughs> yeah. it, it really still shows through, even on my physical copy. I'm sure if you grab the digital of this, it would look real sharp. Yeah, my my copy's in a little bit of
0: rough shape too. It has a big subsur- subscription crease in it, and it's it's a little bit beat up too. It's not it's not stellar, but I did forget to mention cover uh, is Gil Kane and Mike Esposito, so it's a pretty good cover. You know, I think the interiors are much better, but uh, it's uh, it says a lousy day to die on the cover. And then blazing battle on the bloody beaches of Dunkirk. You know, and as you and I both know, that was, you know, a, a real location and battle and craziness went on there. And that was, you know, pre, you know, U.S. entering the war too. So, you know, that was definitely pretty wild,
1: but that's where this story takes place. Oh, yeah. And the, you know, the story of Dunkirk, which, which is odd because I, um, you know, intellectually I knew the story of Dunkirk, but again, since it's 1940, we don't here in America always think about Dunkirk in terms of World War II, right? We we tend to mm-hmm. think of oh, World War II starts with Pearl Harbor, you know. We don't mm-hmm. always think about the 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 pre-American involvement, the European portion of it, but you know that is such a I don't know D- Dunkirk is just such an engrossing story, the the actual story that happened, yeah. and uh, you know the, there's been some really good fictional depictions of Dunkirk and the evacuation, Uh, the film Dunkirk, which to me is just an incredible uh, war movie. If you ever get it, if if any listeners are into war pictures, that's one to watch. It's just uh, absolutely mind boggling. Some of the scale and stuff that they replicate for that. And to think about that, it's, it's real. It's not some fictional event, you know, the Mm -hmm. the evacuation of Dunkirk really happened. So it, it was actually kind of amusing from a timing standpoint, because I had, I had really just seen Dunkirk like a couple of months before getting this comic. Oh, wow. And and then I, I'm not, I want to say that Sam Glansman did a issue of combat for Dell, which is also the evacuation of Dunkirk, but I might be completely wrong on that. But, Mm. you know, Glansman did a lot of historical stuff in uh, the pages of combat Mm -hmm. uh, for Dell. And I want to say he did a Dunkirk one as well. So, uh, that, you know, so it's like, there's a lot of, you know, there's a few times that it shows up in comics. It's such a potent setting, you know, because there is so yeah. it's, it's ripe for drama.
0: Mm, yeah. And I, I mean, I did look it up too, cause I thought, Oh, I know that was, you know, it, it was a big, like you said, you know, before the United States got into the war, but it was a kind of a, a big, a big uh, part of it. And it, I, Looked it up, and I think it said there was between killed, wounded, or captured. It was sixty-two thousand uh, soldiers. Yep. And I was like, "Wow,
1: that's yeah, that's, that's no joke. That, that's yeah. not good." Mm. Yeah, and and Claremont, um, some of the Claremont Trimpi they they address it really well here. A lot yeah. of the they, they, this is kind of in a lot of ways the, the Cliff Notes version of the evacuation of Dunkirk mm-hmm. because in our story we have, you know, Kowalski gets put into the body of a um, of a British fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. who was shot down by some uh, ME109s and I have to I have to say this this is very it's kind of amusing to me the the opening captions uh, where it says today's a lovely day to die it says the glorious 1st of June 1940 they bounded they bounced him over the channel 6 ME109s diving out of the noonday sun and all that made me think of there is a song by the British band Iron Maiden called is okay. High and there is a lyric in aces high, that goes ten me one oh nines out of the sun. So I immediately thought of aces high. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's pretty close. Right now, you know, mm. was uh, you know, was uh, you, know, uh, you know, Steve Harris perhaps reading Marvel comics? I don't know. I'm not gonna not gonna get into that. Or, you, know. <laughs> yeah, but, you never know. Maybe he was. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Aunt, uh, you know, our uh, my my friend Andy Leyland, who uh, you know, he he would he let us all know that American comics were used as ballast on ships. To be sent over to the UK. So they weren't exactly, you know, high priority imports uh for the UK at, in the mm, 70s but uh, that's funny. Yeah. But uh, but we get but you know so he he shot down as a pilot and he's picked mm-hmm. up by by a family in a like a pleasure boat. Basically, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. a little pleasure boat and it's the dad and the son but that was, that was, you know, that for listeners that may not know that was the evacuation Dunkirk, any boat that could sail the English channel was pressed mm-hmm. into service by the, the English government to, to go over and help get the, the soldiers out of France. So mm-hmm. every type of boat imaginable from, you know, tramp steamers to cargo boats, to fishing boats, to, you know, yachts and catamarans, anything that could sail the channel uh, or or you know navigate the channel I, I should say was pressed into service so they yeah. they so they use that and that's you know that that's one of the very famous things done about the evacuation of Dunkirk but then when they get to the coast it's uh, it's page 15 on the story mm-hmm. when Kowalski looks out and he sees you know thousands and thousands and thousands of men all yeah. queued up waiting to get on a a ship to get out of out of France, again, that was the you know, and they say specifically that they are uh, it's three hundred thousand plus men crammed into a twenty-mile stretch of beach, presenting to some an indecently tempting target, too tempting to resist. As we see the uh, the Germans mm. strafing and attacking, and that's exactly what happened. The all the British were, and uh, and the other um, Allied forces were were you know isolated on this beach and had nowhere to go essentially that they had to just wait and they were at the mercy of the Luftwaffe, you know, and, and whatever attacks they were made on them. So it's, it's a harrowing tale. And of all the people that, as you said, as many that were killed and wounded, but as many as they managed to save also, it's, it's an incredible story. So to to present it here as the framework for not just a weird story, but a very much, in my opinion, Marvel take on an anti-war story. Is yeah. is really a good call by Claremont, and I I like that. I I want to kind of get your your thought on that because you know there there's this kind of I don't I don't know how common it is anymore, but it, if you know going back some years, maybe ten, fifteen years or so, there was this idea that war comics were jingoistic and mm-hmm. very you know what we think of as like early war comics, so like Golden Age and 1950s war comics, certainly jingoistic, especially during like the Korean War. Mm-hmm. And stories set in and around Korea, I'm thinking, like, uh, very early issues of GI combat from quality were very jingoistic. Harvey, Harvey, of all people, had some of the most brutal pre-code war books you could imagine. Like, mm. uh, Fighting Fronts was one they did, which was just, I mean, it was almost gruesome, for even for the 50s, uh, wow. the level of violence on display, but still very jingoistic. But by the time we get into what we think of the as the Silver Age uh, books, yeah, there was some jingoism, but they still were anti-war as a general rule. Uh, but this, I think, kind of takes it even beyond like the level of you know anti-war parable that we'd get from say like Sergeant Rock or even Sergeant Fury. So I wanted to get—I I was curious what you thought about that, and how that worked for you, because placing death as the central character and our hero (air quotes) up to the mic because Kowalski not really a hero—it's—it's it's very anti-war and definitely reflects you know that mid-seventies uh, attitude, I think. Yeah, you figure everybody
0: seemed to be I mean, EC had some war books where they were Mm -hmm. very anti-war. You know, here's war, but we're very much against it. You got that from EC, you know, even back into the 50s. But I think once the 70s rolled around and, you know, Vietnam was going on, a lot of these writers, you know, they definitely tried to still, you know, portray the, the soldiers themselves you know, as heroic, trying to fight against something, you know, evil or wrong. But then they also always, you know, had something in there just, you know, to let you know, like even if it was just a, a, a bit of an undertone to let you know that, hey, that's that's great. But it, war itself is not a good thing. You know, I mean, you, you you don't ever want that. And the, the, you know, the captain of this uh, pleasure boat, his son, you know, that's how they kind of use it in this, uh, this issue. You know I mean? He's all gung ho and thinks this is great. And let's go see the soldiers fighting and, you know, oh, isn't this so heroic and so great. And, you know, he ends up changing his tune when he sees something really horrific later in the issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, we also see that, you know, the, the dad, we find that that's one of the twists at the end is a dad is, was, uh, he had fought in world war one and Mm -hmm. wanted to spare his son that. So I thought that was a a really nice touch also, because again, that was, that was the general, especially in England. That was, you know, the generations, right. You Mm -hmm. know, um, the other thing I I thought was kind of interesting about this is with, um, you know, one of the things that to me was, is always fascinating about like the silver age war books is whether you're talking about like Joe Orlando or, uh, you know, Joe Kubert or Mm. Jack Kirby or Stanley, all those guys were veterans. They had all served in the war and now you're getting into the seventies and you've got these creators, this kind of second wave, you know, the early, the end of the silver age, beginning of the bronze age, this, what, what we think of like the second wave of Marvel creators, right. Yeah. That kind of came in under, um, you know, whether it was under Roy Thomas's editorship or, or what have you, that they weren't veterans, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so they have kind of a different take where, the the earlier ones were definitely anti war, but they, you know, they, they, they just have a different feel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I think it, it pushes the, the, the and I think that's what makes the, the weird ones so work so well is it pushes the horror aspect of the, you know, the the, the inhumanity and the depravity. And mm-hmm. we, we put it amongst a horror context so that we can examine them in a code friendly way. Right, mm-hmm. because yep. there's some stuff that goes down in this book that it's a it's Ooh. it's a throwback to it. you mentioned EC. This is there's the scene you're talking about that the kid oh. gets his eyes open. It is a throwback to like the old Two Fisted Tales, which was the main EC war book, or even like that Fighting Fronts book that I said from Harvey, where you know the the depictions of the suffering of man were not shied away from. For a code book, this is pretty pretty gruesome.
0: Yeah, I almost feel like maybe they felt or knew they could get away with it because it was about war, you know, and, you know, something that I'm sure really happened and not just, you know, they weren't throwing it out there to be gratuitous. But, yeah, they, you know, the Keith, the the young uh, boy and uh, Kowalski go into town and they meet up with this, you know, regiment of I think it's British soldiers or maybe a combination of British and French. And, you know, the next thing you know, there's a whole squad of Germans and there's a tank and. They look like they're going to get overrun, but the one soldier, he runs up to this uh, German tank and (laughs) clobbers the guy that's sticking out of the top and then throws a grenade down inside it and kaboom, and it blows it to pieces and out walks this one soldier. And he's, you know, on fire, completely on fire, head to toe. And that's when this kid is just like, oh, my God, he's like. It opens his eyes to how horrific it really is. You know, it's it's great to look at the the heroism, but there's there's a real ugly side to war as well, and that's what really opens his eyes.
1: Yeah, and then to me, even even on top of that, so on in one second, I... okay, yeah, no, so so even on top <laughs> of that, on the bottom of page twenty-seven, the last panel, oh, um, you know, so the the German soldier who has. It was a human torch, essentially. Not not trying to make a Marvel yeah. joke, but he's, no, no. he's you know on fire and he collapses on the ground. The caption is he'd be dead soon, but with burns like that, soon can be an eternity. And Kowalski shoots him dead. Yeah. Now it's it's off panel because what we see we we're looking at the back of um, of Keith and Kowalski. Mm -hmm. And we see the um, the legs of the German soldier still on fire and we see Kowalski firing off panel. Mm -hmm. But it's obvious from the position of the legs and the angle of the shot that he's shooting him in the back of the head. And again, for 1975, that's 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 a little beyond the pale, you know, but but it's but in a war book, again, if, if this was in a superhero book, it'd be it'd be, you know, it would make it wouldn't make any sense. In the context of a war book, even a weird war book, it's understood. Now, whether mm-hmm. the readership was was older or not, I, I don't know. I don't really know that they really were, but I think looking at it now as a depiction of, especially in this story with a kid being disillusioned about, you know, the the glory of war, mm-hmm. that is a hell of a scene, you know, yeah, and I that really stuck with me the first time I read it, and it's it stuck with me since I said that that entire sequence. Of the close mm-hmm. quarters combat and then the you know the results of it and the shell-shocked kid and the the again talking about trimpy doing the the facial expressions the horror in the kid's face that's very clearly uh you know we don't need any captions at all or any dialogue for for uh, you know the, the emotion to shine through no you don't you like you got it perfectly right
0: on page 27 the, the kid's face he's just like his mouth is agape his eyes wide open when he sees this person come out that's completely on fire, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a a rough scene, man. It's very, it's got a lot of depth to it. And I really like it a lot. And I think, like I said, Trimpy, man, I normally think of him as, you know, like I said, Hulk, or like even you said, a lot of those licensed properties as well, which, you know, they're way more into the superhero fantasy, you know, like type thing, not grounded in reality where this book definitely is. And I think, man, it would have been great to get uh, him on a, on a war book, I think he would have done a great job. And this, this to me, this issue is definitely the proof. He would have been great.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm trying, I'm I'm trying to look up. Did he do any of the other issues of, of the original stories in war as hell?
0: Oh, uh, the Kowalski
1: stuff. Yeah. Cause I'm looking like number 12 was uh, Don Perlin and Dave Hunt.
0: Yeah. They and... did a few, I think. Yeah. I think Perlin
1: did a few of them. And I mean Tom Pearl, and I mean that's if you're going to get you know that that's a good fit for a war book oh, yeah. also. Yeah. But let, could, me jump, like, let me jump like let me look at number like fourteen here. I'm on the uh, Marvel Wikia, which is uh, mm-hmm. of course not uh, not responding very quickly.
0: Yeah, I think uh, let's see. I don't. And that don't was George that
1: Evans who did that one. Oh yeah. So. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. Another guy that's done some war books too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I mean, again, there was a mix, but I think this—I want to say this was bi-monthly,
0: probably. So, yeah, you know, I would just, bet. as
1: they could fit it in. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was probably something that where it's you know, every other issue it probably had you know, a different uh, a different artist, but I, I'm pretty sure Claremont wrote just about all of yeah. them because he I, he I, this yeah. yeah this had something I think I don't know if this was his idea or somebody had the idea and he took it and ran with it, but you know, like we said, Claremont—you don't really think of Claremont with horror or war books. It's you know, when you're on the X Men for you know, 17 years straight, that's well. <laughs> I was, really was thinking
1: 1975. That's, that's giant size X Men number one, right? Is 1975. Yep. So it's right yep. around the same time frame here. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And then yep. he did he did a couple of horror stories, I think, uh, before this one even too. You know, he bounced around Daredevil. I know he did a couple of stories. He did a lot of bouncing around before he got on X Men. And of course, you know, he was allowed to do whatever he wanted on X Men because nobody cared about X Men back then. Now it's you know, it, yeah sky high now but back then nobody cared about that book so there was like no oversight at all so he was loving life he could do whatever he wanted obviously he did some really great things but yeah kudos to him man he did great this is a really good story i mean it's not that you can you know i mean sure if you put a magnifying glass to it you could find one or two little things that might be you know not the greatest but overall this is a really really good
1: story he did a great job with this yeah yeah i really i really enjoyed this Mm-hmm. You know, just just all told i really enjoyed this story and what's great about it is even if you take the weird aspects out you can mm-hmm. still make this work as a normal book yep you know absolutely so it, so it, 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 it has all the right structure and bones as a, a traditional war comic as well uh so you know that there was uh, i did a i did a, a podcast with professor allen and mm-hmm. uh, kirk spencer uh, before war comics month last year and we talked about how does weird war fit in, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. as, we, as we kind of referred to, November is uh, hashtag War Comics Month, and this mm-hmm. was a, a a Twitter hashtag that I started, well, f- maybe four years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an abortive start before that, but really started pushing into it several years ago. Where, you know, to me, you know, that there's you know, we, we, uh, this was my way to, as I mentioned, know a lot of the creators on these war books were themselves veterans and November of course is uh veterans day coming up uh, very shortly uh, Mm -hmm. as we're recording this. And, you know, so this was my way of saying, you know, this is a way to, to honor our veterans, Mm -hmm. you know, by and also shine a spotlight on the genre that just simply doesn't get enough attention. And what's, what's grown from there is that now we have, um, you know, different seasonal reading in different months of the year, all throughout the year. And war has always, you know, stayed in November. But you know, October is horror, mm-hmm. right? Halloween. Yeah. So it's always the question: Is well, do you read Weird War and War Is Hell? Do you read them in October <laughs> or November? And uh, to me, it's like well, you can go either way, but there's still war books. You know, mm-hmm. even when you add that supernatural element to them, the 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 depiction of war ultimately is really what they are about. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's that one, I, I think, is what war is held is a really good job of, of presenting that, that even with the more, you know, uh, esoteric, supernatural aspects to it. It's a it's a really darn good, you know, Bronze Age war book. You know, mm-hmm. this, this issue is just the top notch stuff.
0: Yeah. And then, oh, man, that the very last couple of caption boxes there that that hit me pretty bad, too, when you, know, okay. you have you have <laughs> Kowalski at the, the front of the boat and there's. You know, death looming over. What a great you know job by Trimpy with the artwork there. But you know, the caption boxes basically say that you know, in a few years, uh, that the the young boy Keith, he's going to end up becoming a soldier and he's going to end up getting killed. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's just awful. Like, why did you have to do that? You know, it does yeah. add more and more to the story too. But I was like, oh man, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, mm. that's
1: that's that that's that Marvel way, right? Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep, for sure. And then I I wanted to mention a couple other things, too. I did actually uh, learn a couple of new terms here. I had never heard these terms before in my life. So on page three, when uh, Kowalski takes over, you know, the, the, the dead pilot's body, that bottom panel on page three on the left, he says, it's funny, when I was a gyrene, killing was no sweat. And I thought, what the heck is that? I had to look that up. I had no idea what reference that was. And it's a marine. <laughs> yes i had never heard that before and then <laughs> when the uh when they pick him up the, the the british guy the captain and his son they make mention at one point of a jolly boat and i had never heard that term before either so like,
1: yeah. a jolly
0: yeah. boat what the heck is that
1: <laughs> yeah that, that that was that was i was in the same boat i, I no pun intended i guess it's like a dinghy <laughs> right jolly yeah boat. yeah like one yeah. of those
0: smaller boats that you'd have on the side of a bigger boat to lower down and like four or five people in it could go ashore or whatever instead of you know it's like, because again, how do you if there's no dock on an island? How do you get a bunch of people off of a giant boat? You just can't run to the ground. So, just yeah. sh-
1: shout out to any any uh, you know British listeners. You always got some funny names for stuff, you know.
0: <laughs>
1: we just good. call it a dinghy here in, in the U.S., but jolly boat. That sounds pretty good too, right? You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then I'd uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say the Marvel value stamp in this issue is uh, Sergeant Fury. There, you know.
1: Yes, just, uh, <laughs> gotta gotta I, mention I, that. I I I, I laughed. <laughs> way too hard at that when i flipped over and the the letters column the title is dialogue with a dead man which is <laughs> that's crazy it's pretty great in its own right <laughs> yeah but you know mm-hmm. i mean but then the marvel value stamp it's it's sergeant fury it's like that is fantastic somebody mm-hmm. was like you know what you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's great. And then yeah, some good ads too. The old Count
0: Dante, deadliest man alive, Black Dragon Fighting Society, and then we got a Hostess ad too, a Spider-Man Hostess yes. ad, which is awesome. So in one panel, you have you know a person on fire and getting his, and and a mercy killing with a, a bullet to the back of the head. And then you have you know Spider-Man throwing Hostess cupcakes at you know, villains. It's like
1: (laughs) quite a contrast there. Yeah. There, there is some there, the, uh, this being a a bronze age Marvel book, it also has the little um, preview, like what we'd call a solicit almost on the bottom of some of the pages. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and there, there's, it's interesting because there are some, Mm -hmm. some ones that kind of fit with the weirder nature. Mm -hmm. So we have one for uh, Conan, the barbarian, which, you know, that's kind of a, you know, always a, a weird book. Mm-hmm. The Defenders, which, well, a, a superhero book was always kind of the weird superhero book, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Oh, for sure. Sense. Yeah, uh, master of kung fu, you know, who can't mm-hmm. be timely, right? You right. <laughs> I mean, big move, big, big time movie star, Shang Chi, the master of kung fu. This mm-hmm. one is great. James Bond is back in Deadly Hands of Kung Fu number twelve. <laughs> Because when I personally think of the deadly hands of Kung Fu, you know, it's like in Marvel, it's like Shang Chi, Iron Fist, and James Bond. I mean, you know, I think that's pretty much across the board, right? So, mm, yeah, so weird. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, and
0: then there's an Iron Man advertisement. Yep. Yeah, some of them I'm just like, uh, okay, Planet of the Apes. That's okay. That's a weird book. Yeah. No, no problem there. But
1: I, I'm not. I'm not going to complain ever about <laughs> an Iron Man, you know, plug. Iron Man being my favorite Marvel character of all time. Yeah. But. I then do like this is a nice touch because it's then we have one for Power Man, mm-hmm. and Claremont wasn't he wasn't writing Power Man yet, but he wrote, of course created Iron Fist, and when when Iron Fist and Power Man their books combined, the Power Man and Iron Fist Claremont wrote that series for a while too, mm-hmm. which was uh, you know that's how um, uh, that's that's you know uh, Jean Grey was living with Misty Knight was her roommate right for a yeah. while yeah, I think so, so yeah. that that great connection. (laughs) And then my personal favorite of all of them, because it is one of the great weird books of this era. The last one on page 30, my boy Morbius, the living vampire enters the doorway into hell in fear. Number 28. If you ever get a chance to read those Morbius strips in fear, they are (laughs) bananas. Well, it's
0: Steve Gerber. It's Steve Gerber. So, you know, (laughs) you know what you're getting with him. Yeah. Those eyeball (laughs) creatures. Oh my gosh. It's they're insane. They're if it would have been written by somebody else, I would have been like, oh, they were definitely dropping acid. But, you yeah. know, Gerber, I think he was just one of those people that had a, an insane mind. He didn't need to do <laughs> any kind of uh, drugs, any hallucinogens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was awesome. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So what do you think, though? I want to look back at the cover again. What do you think about the cover?
1: Uh, the cover to me is is it's all right. I, I don't like the the, uh, the the large red background. I think mm-hmm. it really kind of makes it look a little plain. It's also, it's kind of busy, because you've got, you know, th- this this is the era when Marvel had the Marvel Comics Group banner across the top, and that's mm-hmm. fine, you know, I'm okay, but we have a caption, you know, the weirdest combat series of all time, then we have the title War is Hell, next to War is Hell is flanked by death, beneath War is Hell, we have another caption, Allows lousy day to die, then we have another caption, mm-hmm. Blazing Battle on the Bloody Beaches of Dunkirk. And the art, I'm okay with the art as a piece of art. And, um, you know, it it is a depiction of of Dunkirk. But, you know, compared to Trimpy's interior art, I mean, it, it's, it's all right. I mean, you know, Gil Kane on a cover, you can't complain too much. But, uh, you know, it, to me, it's not one of the best covers in the series. If you take a look at mm-hmm. uh, 11 or 12, I think those are a bit more um, dynamic than this yep. one.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think it's... It's definitely 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there where there's one that's real crazy. I think it might even be Cockrum might have something to do with the Pencils or Inks where it's a Japanese soldier and he's about to uh, lop a woman's head off. It's really yeah. crazy. That's like, like when you see covers like that, like you said, this one's kind of this one reminds you more of the reprint series where it was, you know, Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos reprints where it was just like just a regular war scene. You know, that's that's kind of what this one reminds me of more of that than the the Kowalski stuff, because a lot of the Kowalski ones, you know, has not just death up in the caption box there or up in the corner box. It has him like looming, you know, in the background, like real like like you said, kind of aping, you know, weird war or yeah, weird war tales, weird war tales. Yeah. 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 So and this one's a little bit of an anomaly like that. Like I said, yeah, Kane, usually his covers are usually pretty awesome. But I just yeah, when you open it up and see what Trimpy did, it's like, wow, Trimpy. You know, his interior's outshone the cover here for sure for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: All right. So, yeah, everybody get out there and read some War as hell. You know, the issues aren't super, you know, if you don't mind lower to mid-grade stuff, you can still find these single issues, you know, to be had um, at a decent price. And I don't think they've ever been reprinted, have they? Not um, to my knowledge.
1: Not, not that I'm aware of. They have never no. been collected or reprinted. That's. No. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest. I was legitimately surprised when i found them on comicsology because mm-hmm. i got a tip from a friend of mine who's not even a comics fan that's like hey have you heard of this this book war is hell it's on comicsology and so i went and checked it out and like sure enough so yeah i mean if 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 you you can go that route too i mean they were i think they were only like a $1.99 a piece on on comicsology so you know, it's uh, I. I have my this one issue. I grabbed all the digital ones. Of course, I'll fill in if I you know come across the the physical ones. But mm-hmm. at least I have I have copies to read, you know, on digital. So, I mean, I'll I'll support anytime Marvel or DC put vintage war books up digital like that, just because I want them to keep you know keep producing more of them and keep collecting yeah. and putting them out there, make them easier for people to to own and consume.
0: Yep, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's like I said, I hunted them down basically one by one. I don't think I ever got a batch, but slowly but surely just grabbed them all eventually. And I think in the last couple of years is when I finally completed them all. The last couple were a little tougher to get, like you and I talked about before too. I think, you know, a lot of times the the tougher ones are at the end to get because they start shortening the print run. So that makes them a, a little more scarce than them, but, uh, you know, than earlier in the league. But all right,
1: Luke, well, so what's going on with you
0: now? You have earth destruction directive. What all's going on with you uh, with that and everything else?
1: All right. Well, so, um, you know, it's, uh, as you say, my, my main podcast is called Earth Destruction Directive. It is a Daikaiju podcast. Daikaiju are Japanese giant monsters. So if you're interested in Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, you know, Mothra, Ultraman, anything like that, you can check out Earth Destruction Directive where you talk about uh, movies and TV shows and video games and toys and all that uh, great stuff, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's at 2TrueFreaks.com. I also am the co-host on The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, which is a horror film podcast, which I do with my brother, Jason Giaconetti, the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler, and Two True Freaks OG, Chris Honeywell. That can also be found on Two True Freaks. And uh, I also am the co-host on Get Back to the Wrestling, Finally, there's a podcast on the internet about professional wrestling, and I do that show with my brother Jason, the <laughs> hair metal hero. And uh, you can get, again, that's also part of Two True Freaks. You can find those shows on whatever podcatcher you uh, would like um, or prefer to use. So please go and check them out. And as I said, I am on Twitter under the handle El That's LJ. A-C-O-N-E. And right now we're doing hashtag War Comics Month. So if you uh, if you're on Twitter or if you uh, even if you're not, you can still go to Twitter and just search for hashtag War Comics Month. You'll find all the war comics that not only I, uh, but your illustrious host and a host of other folks on on Twitter are reading and tweeting about right now to, you know, kind of spread the word about war comics and to honor our men and women of the armed forces. So if any of those sound interesting to you, I would please ask that you check them out. I would really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, definitely look uh, Luke up there and give him a follow. And he's again, he's one of these people, too, that there's such a good group of us on Twitter that, you know, even, you know, these uh, hashtag months aside where we kind of get together and do stuff just every day, you know, putting stuff up there, whether it's, you know, comics or movie related or whatever everybody just has a good time on there and everybody's nice and cool and respectful. Yep. And it's, it's a good place. So for anybody that thinks, so oh, I heard Twitter's awful. It's Twitter's what you make of it. <laughs> Come yep. on out and find guys like us and, you know, professor Allen and stuff like that. And you, you'll, you'll have a good time. It's, it's yep. a, a good place to
1: have some fun. I, I agree with that. You know, you can, you can be, I don't like negativity. You know, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have time to, to vetch and moan about the things I don't like. I'd rather talk about the things that I do like. So I, I yep. try to, you know, I'm not going to guarantee. I'm not going to get upset with West Ham when they blow a lead or something. <laughs> but, you know, in general, I try to stay positive. You know, <laughs> uh,
0: yes, yeah, so, yeah, soccer, soccer is a. That's a whole other subject there. Let's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we all have that vice there, but. Uh... Well, thank you, Luke. I appreciate you coming on, man. I know you got a lot going on, so I appreciate you coming on to talk about a War Comic with me. And <clears throat> I was hoping to get a lot of War Comics out this month, but I just wasn't able to make it happen, but I'm glad I could get this one with you in.
1: I and I appreciate you very much having me on. You know, I said any, any opportunity to uh, you know, talk about comics in general, but War Comics in particular, I I've, I've become such a big fan over the last you know, cheese and rice, probably at this point, um, you know, uh, ten plus years or so. it's it's really become a, a big focus in my comic reading and collecting. So I am more than happy to talk about war comics or really anything weird. anytime you anytime you're you uh, you need a guest, I'll be more than happy to to slot in there for you if you'll have me. Awesome, man, definitely for
0: sure. So again, thank you. And then uh, everybody, hang on here. I'm gonna let Luke go, and then I'll be back in a minute to wrap things up.
1: This is Tokyo. then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at two twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality.
0: wraps up this episode, uh, first and foremost, I want to thank Luke for coming on, you know, he's a big proponent of all these, uh, you know, monthly, uh, hashtags, you know, started, uh, hashtag War Comics Month for, uh, November, you know, for Veterans Day, which is a great thing, you know, to bring some awareness to that, so thanks, Luke, for coming on and, uh, bringing, uh, like I said, some awareness to, uh, that holiday and that, you know, awesome, uh, War Comics hashtag, and everybody needs to get out there and read more War Comics, so, definitely check out luke uh all the stuff in the show notes you know his podcast and check him out on twitter and all that stuff too he's a good guy so uh definitely check that out and search the hashtag war comics month uh, every november but uh, even just hashtag war comics throughout the year too because he and i and some other guys will still post some stuff throughout the year but november is the big month so definitely check that out all right see you next time